Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Craig Mack's Flavor in the Ear was the first single released by Bad Boy Records in 1994. Despite the track's success, his album was overshadowed by the massive hype behind labelmate Notorious B.I.G.'s debut record, which was released only seven days later. Mac was left in the shadows, but his story only gets crazier from there. We're joined by podcaster, rapper, and hip-hop fanatic Word Burglar to discuss why the late Craig Mack deserves more credit for his futuristic flow. You won't be around next year, my rap's too severe, kicking my flavor in your head. Here comes the brand new flavor in your head. Time for new flavor in your ear. I'm kicking new flavor in your ear. Mac's brand new flavor in your ear. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So Berkey, you are here today to talk about Craig Mack flavor in your ear And for before we get into it, for anyone who's listening right now whether you know this song or don't know this song, whether you're a fan of this song or not a fan of this song, you should stick around for this episode because I would say out of 100 plus episodes, this has to be one of the craziest stories behind an artist that we've had so far. We'll talk about the song first, Bergie. What, what made you choose this song? Well, man, to your point right off the top, it's crazy like that glue. to quote the great craig mack funnily enough this wasn't when when i was first talking to you guys my first choice this was not the first song that popped into my head the first song he picked 
Uh-huh. Lucas with a lid off. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I had not heard the episode yet. And then like, you guys did such an amazing job on that episode. So, well, wow. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, Matt, do you want to clear the air in yes. case Lucas is listening right now? Yeah, in case Lucas is checking in, Lucas checked into our Lucas with a lid off episode. And I'm not going to read the, the message verbatim, but he wanted to clear up that we got something wrong. In that episode, it definitely sounds like we're painting him as kind of like the strokes, like a, a, a rich kid who got the world handed to him. But he clarified for us that while his dad did create Pottery Barn, his dad had sold it when they only had one or two stores. So by the time he was born, the dad was already out of the equation with Pottery Barn. Mm. He didn't collect any money from that. And even when his dad was working in the music business, it was 30 or 40 years before Lucas was ever born. So all of those contacts had also kind of fizzled out by the time he was pursuing music. So, I mean, we still love that song. And I think that that's the end result of that episode is that the song is a great song regardless. But yeah. we do want to clarify that Lucas did have to work and and put in put in the effort to, to get a record contract. It wasn't just handed to him. Right. And Bergie, you confirmed to me the other day you didn't just want to pick Lucas with a lid off because you like the song. You owned Lucas centric. <laughs> I had the tape. Yeah. And I mean, we'll get into it with Craig Mack, but like I, this was my era, like nineties. I was a kid growing up and just obsessed with hip hop and anything I, I could get my hands on. So any, and you bought tapes back then because it was cheaper. You mm -hmm. could get two tapes for the price of a CD, and I had a Walkman. I had a paper route, so I had income coming in, and I, after my paper route, I'd go to the record store and buy tapes. And yeah, Lucacentric was one of the tapes I bought in my many journeys to Sam the Record Man, uh, or HMV that we have up here in Canada. Yeah, I actually genuinely liked that, Lucas, with the lid off. Like, when it came out, and I was like, whatever happened to this artist? And Because uh, the beat's dope, the flow's dope. It's very yeah. unique. Yeah. yeah. It's great. And... I would say that it's probably safe to say then in your Walkman, you had also a little flavor in your ear. Is that correct? <laughs> Every day, man. Yeah. Every day. So I had this album, Project Funk the World. Very, very familiar with Craig Mack. You know, this album came out 1994, which is arguably the best. If yes. not the best, it's one of the top three years ever for hip hop. You know, you think of 88, like the whole 93, 94 era was just crazy and again being a kid just spoiled with everything coming out i mean even just thinking like off the top of my head it's like obviously Nas Illmatic came out in 94 biggie smalls the first uh, first method man album to cal came out there was beat nuts organized confusion oc had an album you know big daddy kane cool g rap had albums that year um i mean i could just go on like 94 is crazy right and like the previous year you had Wu-Tang 36 Chambers and Snoop Dogg Doggy Style. Like this was like the huge like explosion where underground rap was really blowing up and every label was trying to was expanding. There had profile records, Jive Records, Electra. They're all trying to do underground hip hop sounds, right? Right before Puff Daddy, as he was known then, Puffy, mm -hmm. P. Right. Diddy, right. Sean Combs. Things changed. And right. this is why Craig Mack is so fascinating to talk about. From the stuff that I learned, I always remembered hearing Craig Mack was the first bad boy artist. And and it's true. The single Flavor in Your Ear was the first single released by Bad Boy Records. And in a scenario that 
Craig Mack had this single, but then had the unfortunate job of having his album come out a week after something massive like Notorious B.I.G.'s well, Ready to Die. Yeah, where- that, that to me is, that's crazy because, yeah, Sean, Puff Daddy he was at the time. Yeah, later became Diddy. We're talking about Sean Co- Combs here, you know, the guy with the goofy dancing. That's who we're talking about here. <laughs> it's crazy to me that he's, yes, he signed Craig Mack first shortly after signed Notorious B.I.G., but why release those two albums, both of those artists? Craig Mack could have been more than a one-hit wonder here. Both of those artists could have been at that same level for you know an ex- extended period of time. Why release those albums one week apart? That's insane I, I, to me. I don't get it. Like That's something you do if you have a stacked roster of albums ready to come out, but I can't imagine that it was like, We've got 52 records we got to put out this this year. Like you could have put that out a couple months later, like really giving it the proper promotion. And I don't know what the deal is with Biggie and Craig Mack. He said that he only did the the remix version, which I think is in a lot of ways the more well-known version of the song as a favor to Puff Daddy. Yeah, let, let's do this in order. Let's do this a okay. little bit in order here because I have the whole story. I went deep on Craig Mack for this episode. I can tell you guys everything you need to know because I think this story is fascinating. Okay. So the guy was raised in Long Island. He was originally known as MC Easy. He went on tour with EPMD as a roadie and with intentions that they were going to bring him up as part of the hit squad. Unfortunately, when the hit squad included, like, I think it was Nas. Well, yeah, like, Keith Murray came in, like, Eric, you know, when EPMD split up as well, like, around this time, like, Keith Murray, who also whose album also came out in 94, there's, like, Keith Murray, Redman was down with yes. them. Yes. You know, Eric Sermon's solo career just blew up, and he was producing for everybody, you know, the Green Eyed Bandit. This is fascinating. Sorry, keep going, because, yeah, yeah. I, have, uh, I have a lot of thoughts here. Yeah, so, so he was supposed to come up as part of the hit squad, but then, yeah, EPMD called it quits, and that was the end of that. So Craig Mack was kind of a free agent. So Craig Mack's manager was shopping him around to labels. No one was really interested except for Sean Puff Daddy Combs, who liked what he heard. So he arranged for him to get on a track with one of his up-and-coming R&B singers that he was developing, a.k.a. Mary J. Blige. So he got Craig Mack on a Mary J. Blige track. And then Puff started Bad Boy. He got fired from whatever label he was working for and started Bad Boy. Signed Craig Mack. And then they released Flavin Year. And as a Pittsburgher, I will note that someone is wearing one of those 90s Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys in the Flavin Year uh, music video. The original Flavin Year uh, song and music video, which is interesting to talk about here, Matt, because what we are talking about when it comes to One Hit Wonders is the remix of this song. Not the original song. The remix is what went to number nine on the charts and what we're considering his one hit, the remix featuring, yeah, Biggie. Buster. LL, LL Cool, cool J, J. Yeah. Buster Rhymes. And Rampage. He, like, ran, Rampage was pretty tight with Buster Rhymes, I feel like, especially yeah. those first two or three albums. Rampage is all over those albums. They were in a crew. They were the flip mode squad. Yeah. So what this remix thing all has bugged me since I was a kid, okay? Because first of all, by definition of a remix – not really a remix. It's the exact same beat. Mm. Puff Daddy comes in at the start, gives everyone the idea that he made this beat, which was a classic Puff Daddy move. He uh. didn't make the beat. It was Easy Mo B, who's like an incredibly prolific hip hop producer who's worked with 
like Big Daddy Kane, like Wu-Tang Clan. He's done like tons of crazy stuff. Lost Boys, he had a bunch of jams with. Like, it's the same beat. And the uh-huh. reason that remix is so great, because it's like that beat by Easy Mo B, it's the perfect rapper's beat. Yeah. Yep. It will make the worst rappers sound amazing, right? Yeah. There are beats like that, you know, as a rapper, for, for those listening, I'm an MC. I've like, you know, hip hop nerd. I was rapping as a kid and I've never stopped rapping. I, I get very in the weeds with this stuff. That beat is like 90 BPM. It's just, you put anybody on there. You got Busta Rhymes going crazy with his, his like woo-ha style, yeah. you know, LL Cool J with his, you know, he's playing his smooth style. Not my favorite LL verse of all time on this remix. Like Biggie Smalls clearly destroys it. Craig mm-hmm. Mack just kind of comes in and he's like, yeah. And he's, I don't know. I got some opinions here about that because Craig's style is what fascinates me. And like thinking about this as like a one hit wonder, was Craig a one hit wonder? Because in 1990, the 90s, again, before Puff Daddy took everything pop, right? Biggie Smalls was the one to go along on the ride when Puffy started going with that R&B pop stuff that really screwed over a whole bunch of artists like Craig Mack. And Craig Mack, I think, may have been the first and most severe casualty from the Puff Daddy domination that was about to happen in the later part of the 90s. Because all the record labels just instantly, all these incredible underground rappers that they were bringing up to around the mid-90s, they switched gears and wanted to go pop because they saw what Puffy was doing. And, you know, give Puffy the credit where credit's due. He was a businessman and figured out how to do this. And, And that's a whole other topic. But Craig Mack, he's... His style is more like, he is an underground MC, and he didn't quite, we're talking about one-hit wonders, his style is more like, he doesn't have so much a persona, mm-hmm. you know, like Biggie Smalls has a character, he has a persona, he's yeah. got that street style, he's, he's doing his thing. Woo, you know, Busta Rhymes, great example, he's got this huge energy. Craig Mack, he's not really like on that level of KRS-One, like dropping knowledge, like as a, compared to other solo artists thinking like Redman, he's not really like bringing that energy and that crazy lyricism that Redman brings. Like just the guys at that time, Nas was like the street poet. And they, OC was like underground, but like had the DITC crew behind him. So he had like the backing of this underground support system where Craig Mack is just like his style. Like if you had to describe it, it's more like <laughs> it's it summed up perfectly on Flavin Your Ear at the start when they say, Yo, man, I don't even understand how they didn't understand you on that Mary joint, which is a reference to that Mary J. Blige song that you were talking about, which was his debut. But anyone who has heard that song completely understands why they didn't understand him on that Mary joint, because he's like basically incomprehensible. Mm. Like his verse is kind of like comes out of nowhere. And you're like, what? What is he even talking about on this verse? Like dope, like as a as a rap listener, I'm picking up on it, but it's it always felt so out of place. And his whole style is just like it's very laid back and chill and he hangs on words, you know? Like mm. I was saying, like crazy like that glue. And right. he'll just like let it drop there. He invented the remix of saying boy, because he'd be like, boy. You know, and like doing all these styles, like that's the Craig Mack style. So so I'm going on a big tangent there. No, no, no. But I was gonna say, I think that one of the things that you're right about, though, is saying like this really doesn't fit the definition of a remix. I think before we started recording, we were talking about this, but this technically this shouldn't be called the Flavor in Your Ear remix. It should be called the Flavor in Your Ear Posse Cut because it's a classic posse hip hop track where you bring like four or five MCs and let them do their thing and. 
in my humble opinion, usually among some of my favorite songs of all time, whether it's Protect Your Neck, you know, uh, Scenario from Tribe Called Quest, or even if we're going to get real geeky and just say the Hit em High track on the Space Jam soundtrack. Like, <laughs> I love when yeah, you bring in a bunch of different MCs with uniquely different vocal stylings and let them all kind of do their thing. Because I was listening to Run DMC the other day, and I love Run DMC, don't get me wrong. The biggest strike against Run DMC is that Run and DMC's rapping styles are so similar sometimes that it's almost difficult to tell them apart versus, say, listening to the Beastie Boys, where it's like, you know when it's Mike D's voice, you know when it's Ad Rock's voice, and you know when it's MCA's voice, because they have those uniquely different styles that are gelling together. Another interesting thing to to what Bergie uh, touched on is Craig Mack, all these other rappers that you're naming, have almost a character, almost something about them that you can point out. Busta Rhymes, perfect example. He's Busta, he has these things he does. Craig Mack... I feel like he's a solid rapper. He's got a cool voice. He's got a cool delivery. But he's he's just his name. He's just Craig Mack. And what would be like you're pointing out these things that I how he hangs on words, but I wouldn't have necessarily picked that out as his thing. You know, if you're talking about Buster Rhymes, yeah, woo-ha. That's that's his thing. Because Craig Mack honestly, to me, sounds like a more toned down Busta Rhymes. He sounds like a way chiller, something about the tone of their voice Mm -hmm. and their delivery. But it's kind of like not as exciting as Busta Rhymes. But he's a great he's a great rapper. There's something about when you're an MC that you have to have something very distinctive and original about your style. Snoop Dogg. Like, do I think Snoop Dogg's some great rapper? Not really, but do I think he has a voice that sounds like no one else and you know it's him from the first two seconds that you hear him? Yeah, I don't know that Craig Mack has that. No, and and even on this own track, like I'm thinking about things in the perspective of like if I was watching a music video, right? We're not even going to talk about the specific flavor in the ear music video, but like if, if you were directing a music video based on the song flavor in your ear and based on the personalities, it's like LL Cool J is going to have like a hood up somewhere in a shadow, like kind of shadowy in a corner. Buster Rhymes is going to be like all up in a fisheye lens, like screaming at you. I'm, I'm literally seeing Craig Mack like leaned back in a couch with his feet on the table and a joint in his hand, just kind of like spitting his flow. But like, Super, like like you said, just the chillest, most laid back as if you were just at a party and someone started rapping on the couch. Exactly. He's like, it, it almost comes so naturally to him. Like, you know, I went back and dug up my album and was listening to his full length. Half the stuff sounds like it's freestyle. Like, he's just like a natural guy, like a guitarist who can just like riff and you're like, oh, wow. Like, he's just free. Like, half the stuff is like, you didn't even like chitta chatta animata turn your body into animata like he's just like half the stuff feels like did you write this or are you just kind of flowing on the beat and freestyling and i think that is part of his charm like i don't want to take away from him. he does have a great voice he does you know have certain like stylistic notes but in that 1994 rap landscape and you look at everything that came out like ultra magnetic mcs like cool keith there's another rapper who i love and totally sounds like nobody else like Snoop Dogg as soon as you hear them on a track that's them Craig Mack it's like without the beat like that Flavonier beat by Easy Mo B I mean that is literally to this day his legacy and other like on his own I don't think he just had that that standing out power like especially when I look at every other rap album that came out in 94 and that I listen to more, <laughs> you know, like right. Grave Diggers. Again, like you just, I could just lit own 
every rap album from 1994 and I'd never have, I'd never need anything else in my <laughs> music library because every, there's so many good albums that year. You know, it's crazy. You, you're, you're talking about hip hop when you're talking about that, but we've talked about this on here before just music in general. 1994 is mm-hmm. like the best year. And I've talked about this 10 times. Also movies. 94 is the best year for movies ever. It's everything. That year is special, man. That year is amazing for everything. And I don't know what it was about that year, but it's definitely awesome. We're kind of touching on why maybe Craig Mack didn't have the long-term success other people did. We do have to note that it might be one of those situations, Matt, we've talked about a lot. Craig Mack did have another top 40 single after this. The next single released after Flavor and Year was also a top 40 single. I don't even know what song it was. But it was that, like the that, Get that Down, to, I think it was called. Get Down, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that goes to show you that, you know, it's, Flavor in Your Ear is the song that has stood the test of time, which is why we're calling it a one-hit wonder. Do you guys even know that second single, Get no, Down? No, I don't. It's it's not even like, I don't think it's the best, like, second song on the album, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's a song on that album called Real Raw, where he samples the Days of Our Lives theme song. And oh, Craig Mack wow. actually produced it. And it's dope. Like, you know, with the exception of what unfortunately is the case in a lot of these 90s rap albums, there is a bit of homophobia that kind of sprinkles, yeah. that pops up every now and then. But that beat is Dope. Dude, it's the are you, t- are you the days of our lives? That's the one that's like, like the man. Listen, hey, and you know, little known fact about me, like I probably know more about days of our lives. Than, uh, than <laughs> that, it's just so, that song. That's the best soap <laughs> opera song ever. That's that's yeah, that's man. that song is amazing <laughs> on its own. I got I got to hear that song. It's I, called Real Raw. All your listeners, go check that one out for Craig Mack. Real Raw. And at that time, as a kid, I got a mom. I got a sister. Days of Our Lives was on in my home. I knew Stefano Demera and John Black and Marlena and all these characters. Wow. Like so, and I'm hearing Craig Mack flip this. Also, I got to shout out like a, a theme that kept popping up, re-listening to a lot of Craig Mack's other songs, which comes up on Flavor in the Year. He talks about the future a lot. You know, he's futuristic. Ooh. Like there's a reference to like Uniblab, like Uniblab, which is like a weird Jetsons reference to this. <laughs> annoying robot that like gets a promotion over george jetson and Whoa. then is like a slacker at the office <laughs> wow yeah because like, he like, says kick that old robotic futuristic george jetson crazy joint and then just like uniblab robot kick and flab wow <laughs> you go right so he's dropping and it comes up like he says future like even when he was mc easy which is actually like again a bit unfortunately titled single called get retarded from 1988 which was 88 was an incredible year for hip-hop as well Mm. so that single of course got him in the door in a lot of places when when he was mc easy but he talks about like the future on that it's like i'm foreseeing the future and he's saying all this stuff which is funny and it's like on flavor in year he's like you won't be around next year my rap's too severe kicking mad flavor in year but he wasn't really around in a couple years yeah that was the irony of that line (laughs) could he see the future of what was about to happen and how puff daddy was gonna ruin the rap landscape for the next few years when it comes to that there's something i gotta talk about here there is this recurring theme in the story of craig mack of puff daddy using him and then basically throwing him to the curb or whatever and that he was used to launch biggie's career well 
Here's the problem I have with that a little bit, or at least I pose the question to you guys. Couldn't it have been a mutual thing? You know, Biggie blows up and they're on a track together. Couldn't it have been argued that like that could have boosted Craig Mack's profile even more? Maybe just the wrong decisions were made. Maybe Craig Mack with the right single and the right management and the right whatever could have catapulted off of that success. Why is it that Craig Mack was used? If these albums were dropped a week apart from each other and then you're throwing on the guy who got bigger plus LL Cool J plus Busta Rhymes onto this remix of the track, couldn't there be an argument made that you're trying to make Craig Mack bigger by bringing in these things and putting them on his track? Why? I don't know why the story is... You know, and I'm I'm not defending Puff Daddy here. I think yeah. I I honestly think that like yeah, Puff Daddy's been responsible in one way or another for a lot of great music. But I, I also am like really annoyed by the guy. You know, like yeah. Yeah. even back then I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like <laughs> dancing around. I could see why the West Coast rappers would talk shit and not like him. He was seemed cheesy as hell and annoying and he's moaning and groaning on people's tracks all the time you know yeah I, I well know. even like underground like the new york scene you know at the time right i mean you look at boot camp click or any of these crews around that era they were like this is not our thing but i mean i think the main thing to your to your point chris it's the beat easy yeah. mo b made an incredible beat timeless. and i think time and it's you know, it happens all the time, you know, in, in rap. I mean, I listen to rap every day. You know, you'll hear a beat and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not crazy about this MC, but this beat is amazing. So yes. I will listen to the song just because I love this beat so much. And that's why it's like, sure, let me take some of the greatest rappers uh, like Busta Rhymes and LL. And this is like one of the first Busta Rhymes. This is the first official Busta Rhymes is now a solo artist track. Wow. Yeah. Like, like this and is the so first weird. thing he did leaving leaders of the new school. Yeah, like seeing him outside of that, like, rah, rah, I'm a dungeon dragon, like that, you know, you mentioned Leaders <laughs> of the New School scenario, like this, what a great jam. And yeah, it's that it's that beat. So I think maybe it was a bit of Damn. like almost buyer's Damn. remorse where like, you know, Puff Daddy was like, you know what? I got to put these other rappers on this beat because like if I own this beat, I got to make the most out of it. And right. Craig Mack, unfortunately, is not the face that's going to do it. He's, the no. casu- he's a casualty here. And that beat, like yeah. that, ba- that beat could come out today. And be on the radio, and we'd be bobbing our head to it. And you're right. It's and it's so simple. I think the whole thing is just bump, bump. bump. Well, I just want to bring you up like an elevator, not down like also an elevator. Yo, it's Word Burglar. I'll tell you later. I'm the host of the Geekscape podcast. Do you still like this movie? Where a guest and I find out if we still like a movie that we used to like. I'm also a rapper of rhymes, and I got a brand new vinyl crowdfunder on Bandcamp right now for the MacGuffin Device LP. 14 tracks of old school hip hop infused with geeky, nerdy things like vinyl collecting, comic books, video games, action figures, cartoons, Dungeons and Dragons, all kinds of dope stuff wrapped up over old school hip hop beats and turntablism. You can help support at wordburglar.com and hopefully I can get in your ears soon. 
Geekscape forever. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. I freestyled on it a million times. It's like every yeah. rapper, every cypher. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's got to be one of the top freestyle cypher beats it's like right up there with like i got five on it where it's like you just put that beat on and anybody because they're so familiar with the beat and it's such a simplistic beat that they can just go once they hear it well it's like mob deep you know shook ones you know which you know eminem had and uh they put in eight mile but like there's some beats that just live on way beyond like their original songs for sure puff daddy put these people together he was hey give him credit producer playing some glasses and reference the warriors oh he's (laughs) he hey look puff daddy's a genius uh of course man p diddy's like you know i don't want to be hating on him because he's he is brilliant in a lot of different ways, but as a rap fan and a rap nerd kid, like at the time, you know, you saw a whole bunch of rappers go nowhere. Like Craig Mack was the first of a long line of other rappers from the nineties that barely got out a second album and then fizzled away because the label, the landscape completely changed in the next five years. He also was slow at releasing follow-up albums too, which didn't help any. Well, dude, I got to talk about that. I got to talk about that. I have something really funny. I don't know if you guys know about this. Well, first of all, before I tell you this, let me tell you that Biggie later claimed that he didn't even like Craig Mack. And the only reason that he was on, on the remix, I'll put that in quotes, was, be- <laughs> was, was because Puff Daddy asked him to. And yeah. the funniest thing to what you're saying, Matt, is there's an interview. I don't know if you guys saw this interview from Yo! MTV Raps with Craig Mack and Puff Daddy. And, and when asked about the follow-up to the Craig Mack album, Puff Daddy says that they've been working on Craig's new album and it's going to drop in January. Puff Daddy says that. Now, you can look this up on YouTube. I watched it on YouTube. When he says that, you can watch Craig Mack's face in the interview, and he looks he looks very puzzled, and he's like, what? <laughs> Meaning that 
There was no new album. I don't even think there was a new album even being worked on. And Puff Daddy was on there saying that the new album was dropping in January. And you could see it very obviously on Craig Mack's face that he's very confused. So that was around the time that things started to go south with Bad Boy and Craig Mack. A bodyguard of Puff Daddy's later told this story that things went downhill for Craig because he got new management. Puff Daddy did not like this manager and he told him to get rid of the manager or he would get rid of Craig and Craig refused and that was the end of his time at Bad Boy. Suge Knight then wanted to sign Craig but Craig turned down the offer. Then Craig ended up releasing the next album I don't, I don't even know on what label and there were no charting singles on it. It's interesting to me I never knew that Suge Knight wanted to sign him but I guess that's just sort of makes sense with the whole Suge Knight trying to pick up all kinds of different artists at that time but especially probably with his connection to bad boy right so well, that well it was around would have been a very political move it, yeah <laughs> it was around the the exact same time of suge knight going to the i believe it was the was it the bet awards where he went up and he was basically talking shit like saying hey anybody who wants to come you know doesn't want it was basically he didn't say puff daddy but basically saying you don't want some guy like what I said, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, if you don't want your producer track and dancing yeah, around your producer all over your out your tracks. Yeah. So he said, death yeah, row. he said, come on out to death row. Very rarely do I agree with Suge Knight in any given moment, but I uh, definitely <laughs> yeah, I agree with them in that specific moment. Well, it's also the connection there with the West. You know, when you talk about bad boy, you know, of course, everyone thinks of Biggie Smalls. You think of Tupac, you think of that thing. And Easy Mo B, again, who made the beat, who gets the very last shout out on the remix as the song is fading out you just hear like puff daddy like he's shouting everybody out and then it goes mo b like it's just like as the song ends it's like oh yeah the guy who made this beat that like is you know so i hope mo b got taken care of there he produced tracks for tupac he produced tracks for biggie which is very interesting that there is that crossover with the craig mack thing and i think to your point about the second album for craig mack craig mack needed a crew, you know, like the boot camp click out of New York, digging in the crates, like these groups out of New York that were like, you know, more that underground vibe, like, you know, KRS one was doing like that boom bop thing, boom bap thing. And it was like Craig Mack needed to be in that camp. I think he didn't really have that, like, you know, for lack of a better word, like that jiggy vibe that was, you know, coming up with like yeah. junior mafia and like little Kim. And then like, all you know, all the, the R and B groups coming up. Like Craig, he just didn't kind of fit into that scene. Well, like I could have seen his career go completely different had he linked up with a a better sort of underground hip hop production crew. No dissing to the people he was with, but like he didn't have that. He was a solo artist. He's not even the only Craig. Like Craig G from the Juice Crew is probably the most famous rapper named Craig. <laughs> so like <laughs> talking about identity thing, it's like, is Craig even like going to stand out that much? You know, like the identity thing too, which another song that we covered on here is that not that this was even a hip hop song, but there was return of the Mac, which forever I wow. thought was Craig Mac because it made sense. But that was, <laughs> but that was Mark Morrison, and the songs aren't the same at all. Return of the Mac is is an R and B song, and obviously Flavor in Your Ear is a hip hop song. But it would make sense to me that oh yeah, Return of the Mac, Craig Mac. That was just for being not really a big fan of either of them in the '90s. I'm a bigger fan of both of the songs now than I was then. I think that maybe there was 
I don't know if anyone's ever talked about that before, but for me, those were artists I got confused based not on the music, but purely on their yeah. names and the name of the yeah. songs. Especially being a kid too, and you hear it and you're like, yeah, yeah, what is, yeah. yeah. right. Well, and and Bergie brought up something that I that I do want to to mention to serve two purposes: a because I think he he hit a good point, and b to kind of promote a little bit about why Bergie is on the episode this week but you you did mention like he i think the rap community specifically is like you need it really benefits you to have a crew not necessarily that you're like part of say the wu-tang clan but having like a group of like-minded rappers that support each other and obviously you are part of a of a movement we've had mega ran on here before we've had lex the lexicon artist on here before that like fits into that that nerdcore genre of hip-hop and i feel like every one of you has benefited from having this community where it's like you know mega rands on tour right now and i look i i can always know okay i'm gonna know almost everybody that's on that list or whoever i don't know i'm probably gonna be into because they run with that crew like kadesh flow was on our show oh he's dope he's so dope and he's a great he's actually a great brass player as well right? Yes. like in addition to uh, being a crazy rapper yeah but yeah. you're here to promote it's it's we're getting down to the final couple of days but you've got a new vinyl that uh that you're trying to raise money for too. that's right yeah we're on Bandcamp. we've got this campaign it's going pretty well so i'm releasing a new vinyl uh 14 tracks uh that have never been put on vinyl of mine it's called the mcguffin device lp and it's uh it's really a combination of old school hip-hop like let's say 90s hip-hop like this pocket of rap that we're talking you got a about lot today. of record I mean, scratches in there for sure <laughs> well this is my like that's where my heart is and that yeah. sound and definitely like that east coast sound like that's what i'm bringing and then of course like the topics are all things that i care about so comic books video games movies there's is a song with mega ran on there song with esoteric out of boston all about like marvel comics esoteric someone you should check out if you haven't heard czarface with inspector deck you know wu-tang connection right there like czarface are amazing but yeah uh it's called the mcguffin device lp and uh and you can find it you just go to wordburglar.com and I got all kinds of jams. Like I'm currently working on my eighth full length album, which will uh, be out summer 2022 called Bergenomics. So all kinds of stuff coming. If, if you're into old school hip hop with uh, a lot of wordplay and storytelling and definitely geeky uh, influences. And, okay. Uh, and okay. So stuff. That's how I'd pitch it. What we're saying is that Craig Mack needed to find a crew, but unfortunately he found a cult. Yeah, yeah. Let's oh, get into that. Let's get into that. <laughs> he did find he did find a crew, just <laughs> the worst crew possible. I got a lot of. I'm glad we're, we're getting into bravo, this. Bravo, bravo, uh, fellas. <laughs> that was that was a great transition. So this is kind of the opposite of funny because this led to his demise. This is actually really sad. But let me start by saying this because this timeline gets a little confusing, guys. Um, first of all. Craig and Puff Daddy actually eventually kind of made up with each other, and Craig made a guest appearance in a Puff Daddy video. Yep. Okay? This was somewhere between that failure of a second album and Craig releasing Mac Tonight in 2006. After he released this, I guess it was an album. It was part it was of an just album, a but single. the single it was just. Yeah, because oh, I, I looked into okay. that because it was like, it was very weirdly worded. It said. He announced a third album in 2002, but then only dropped a single called Mac Tonight in 2006. And then his third okay. official album, official, was a mixtape that came out after he died. So there was never a third right, album. Right, right. 
Yeah, and that was from stuff from I think like or like the year 2000 yeah. or something. But don't worry about that. We got to get into this story because this gets crazy. Okay, so the story is this. This is so there was one last interview done and you can watch it on YouTube with Craig Mack before he died and it was done by his former manager. And in it you can tell he's sick. You can tell he's dying. He's he's 47 years old, but honestly he looks like 70. He looks old. So Craig told the story in this interview about how he felt used and disrespected. He never mentioned any names, but obviously everybody believes that he was talking about Puff Daddy. So the story was that before 2012, when this video came up of him on the internet as part of this church, aka cult, somewhere in that gap between 2006 and 2012, he found himself in a car with a gun on his lap with the intentions to go kill who we believe is Puff Daddy. So he's in the car with the gun on his lap in New York, and he turns on the radio to a hip-hop station, but instead what he heard was gospel music. And he believed that it was God talking to him, and he decided against taking someone's life, who we are once again assuming Puff Daddy. But he also decided to leave New York, and in on this gospel station, he also heard the voice of who the guy was. His last name was Stare, like you walk up the stairs. So he heard this cult leader on the gospel station and decided to move to South Carolina, where he went and lived in a community. He lived with 70 other people. He lived in a mobile home, and they maintained a farm for food, and they had their own school for their children, and no one under any circumstances ever left the compound for any reason and people were told to avoid the care of doctors which ended up being very bad advice for craig who had health problems he claimed in a video that he moved his family to south carolina when he joined the cult but that actually didn't happen his family was was actually very concerned for him as it turned out this 84 year old leader of the cult obviously was arrested in 2017 charged with numerous accounts, including kidnapping, burglary, sex with minors. He was accused of rape and pedophilia, and he defrauded members of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Craig claimed in an interview that he he forgave the cult leader because Jesus forgave the people who killed him. That's what he said. Um, the cult leader ended up dying in 2021, but Craig Mack died in 2018. Yes, you can go on YouTube and watch his last ever interview, which I which I watched. It's crazy. He was, it seems like he was brainwashed, but I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this because, you know, his intentions were to go kill Puff Daddy, which if that would have happened, you know, that would have been a, t a terrible choice in his life. But then he made another terrible choice, which led indirectly in a way to his death i mean i don't know I, I it was never clear to me what he exactly died of but i would think that had he seeked out the help of doctors it would have at least ex helped i had read heart failure which i believe is also what yeah. killed the the cult leader which again if you're saying don't go to the doctors yeah i mean he, he died of congestive heart failure which you know, it could have been because of something else. You know, I, I I never actually read what he died of, but crazy story and a very, uh, uh, I don't know, insane demise. It's the craziest story of someone's demise that I've heard on One Hit Thunder. So, so obviously we're on a, a very dour note right now. 
Um, so let me bring it in with a little bit of levity, a little bit of humor. So after Craig Mack's death, he did win the Mixtape of the Year Award for his album, Macworld Sessions. And the prestigious award ceremony that gave that to him was the Bout Dat Online Audio Dope Award is the award that he post posthumously won. <laughs> so Well, at least he got recognized. He got for recognized his, for his by, work. By the Bout Dat Online Audio Dope Awards uh paid him their proper respect. Wow. Well, for also for years there's been speculation there was a documentary about Craig Mack's life in the works. As of yet, has not been released, but there were a lot of people that were supposedly a part of that. Obviously, EPMD, Biz Marquee was supposedly a part of it. A lot of, you know, other rappers were in this, but it is not yet out. I uh, could shed shed some light on more of this story. But in the meantime, yeah, you can YouTube the, his final interview. You can YouTube that funny <laughs> clip of him on UMTV Raps with Puff Daddy, where he, you can tell he's obviously very confused about Puff Daddy saying his new album was coming out. But I think it's kind of undeniable that Flavin' Your Ear is great. Yeah. And, you know, there was another song that, you know, in my deep dive of t- some Craig Mack songs, he had a song called Jock in My Style, which I think was pretty awesome. You know, I think he's a a cool MC, you know, and whether whether he had the image or the whatever, the flow that would appeal to the masses, I think he could have had a, a solid career. It seemed like it was probably mismanaged in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, it's so fascinating hearing all these stories and, you know, we could speculate on this so much. And he is often just a footnote in this bad boy story. But I do really see him like we talked about, like being like the first casualty of like that underground rap, you know, career uh, of the mid 90s. And he sounds so good on beats. But as we're talking, like the one thing I keep coming back to, it's like what what is his defining like? if you do sum up his style, like it's so easy to be like, okay, well I can tell you exactly who this rapper is or what their style is, whatever. With Craig Mack, it's like, I don't know what his point of view was. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't so much storytelling. Every song is kind of the same, like just a variety of like good rhyming, you know, a cool style, but like there's not really, he's not really getting into the storytelling. He's not really taking too many perspectives on things. It's just like things that he likes and he's just kind of incorporating them. And then like, you know, part of the street, like the pavement, but like when you put him against Biggie, there's like really not a comparison because Biggie was like, if Puffy needed to like fill out his roster, it's like, I'm putting together my like justice league of, you know, all these artists who are going to fill this slot and Biggie Smalls fit that lyrical MC who sounds amazing on beats. He had the voice, he had the character, he had the, all everything going. And then he's like, and you know, I've got Lil Kim here. I got my group with, you know, junior mafia. I got the R and B people. I got this, I got that. And I just feel Craig Mack just didn't make it into like the main Avengers lineup. You know, he didn't set himself apart enough. We, no. we all think, we all think he's good. Like you said, the beat was a big part. Uh, yeah. Maybe 90% of why that song was popular because any rapper is going to sound good on it. That being said, when it comes to did Craig Mack bring the one hit thunder or is he a one hit blunder? I would give him the thunder. I would give him the thunder. I think he was a good rapper. I think the song's cool. I think his story, fascinating, sad, crazy, but 
I feel for him in, in a lot of ways. And it seems like at 47 years old, gone too soon and an unfortunate way, an unfortunate way to go. Yeah, he yeah. could have he could have made a comeback, I genuinely think. I think that there could have he been. He turned down. They asked him to be part of the Bad Boy Reunion Tour in 2016. He was already full-on cult and yeah. presumably sick by then, you know, because in that, that final interview, he was very obviously sick, having yeah. trouble yeah. breathing and everything and looked looked pretty bad. Um, so yeah, that may have been part of it too, but uh, I'm giving him a thunder. Yeah, for sure. No, it's a heartbreaking story. I give him thunder too. And I will say I, for a rapper of his, you know, caliber, like not bad at any, but I feel like that, that thunder, that one hit was almost like the best he like he surpassed so many people, no one, you know, it was almost like this is the biggest he could ever hope for. And maybe part of like the reason we didn't hear more from him was he just could never achieve that level again because so many factors. But I do think like for an MC of his caliber to reach that high up, I think that would be it because he didn't have all these other things. He wasn't firing on all cylinders. He had a great, you know, line of sight on one thing and he was on that but he didn't bring like this total package that uh, the other superstar rappers kind of were able to do and maintain. Right. I mean, Busta Rhymes put out an album last year. That's phenomenal. You know, there's a lot of rappers well past their fifties doing great, great work now. Part of an era too, where you are very dependent on what record label you were on and management and things like that. Whereas now if you had a hit, you could probably have a career off of that. If you knew how to, you know, cultivate that and, mm-hmm. and use, you know, use the way that people consume music now to your advantage. He was just part of a time where that unfortunately wasn't really an option. I'll also go with, with thunder on this one. And then I'm going to uh, do something that I've done to Bergie every single time I've ever been on a podcast with him, which is that I'm going to put him on the spot because he's, because he's a freestyler. So oh, I want man. you to uh, sum up this episode also, sum up where people can help donate, and I'll give you a perfect beat for it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm crazy like that glue. Look at you telling me what to do. I'm picking freestyles live with my new friend, Chris. Matt on the podcast, everyone. I hope you didn't miss. And stay tuned. Listen to the whole episode coming through, wondering, is he going to flex for yo? Yeah, I'll flex for show. I'll flex. What am I going to do? It's a freestyle, of course. Yeah, I keep it true. W on my head stands for word burglar. My hair's curlier. Might have told you earlier. If it rains, um, yeah, it gets kind of frizzy. I get busy. Shout out anyone who's dizzy when the beat hits. I could go on forever. It's kind of frightening. Craig Mack had the lightning. We're talking about the thunder. I'm talking about the jersey he wore in the video. We're birdie. Yeah, you talking yeah. about the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> okay, I come again, my friends. I hope you're having a real good time. No blunders. Live on the one hit. Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wow, you really put him on the spot. That was awesome. <laughs> we're burglar.com. We got we got to shout out one more time. Hey, nice. and thank you guys for having me. This was so fun. I can't, you know, honestly, I had not really thought about Craig Mack in a while. And then, like, I had no idea I had so much to say on the topic. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Are your kids renting a movie this weekend? Saturday afternoon matinees aren't what they used to be. To begin with, kids don't have to go to the movie theater. They can bring the movie home from the rental store. What you know about going out? 
catch a movie at your own house. Waiting in line to watch something on your own couch, no doubt. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Vefalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Rental Patient by this week's guest, Word Burglar, off his album, Rhyme Your Business. Donate to his crowdfunding campaign in our show notes. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris and I at WeKnowPodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Do you wish that this was your song being played underneath me right now? Then contact me at Matt at Geekscape.net and we can make that happen. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Better get something good cause your friends are waiting Okay then, now in case you didn't know The lengths you had to go just to get a video Was a ritual, a major event When you got your own card and were able to rent Swear everyone went, families to film buffs Stoners and punks who try to steal stuff Or just loiter and eat the free popcorn Sneak a peek behind the curtain they stock porn And every visit was a hunt and a gamble Taking chances on new ones to sample A lot of choices were only based on box art So if you found a gem, you were a rock star And few things could beat that relief smile Of being first to the new release style But be guile, cause if you don't wanna find You better make sure you return it on time Yo, this is for the rental patients Selecting discs and cassettes for playing Popcorn sets through the ventilation Better get something good cause your friends are awake The top movies were dirty They all got around in and out every you're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hello out there! Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist, Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>